0: and 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 as you know being a songwriter it's it's kind of an ever-growing pool of knowledge like you've got to want to learn more to get better Mm -hmm. and for me music it it was always something i always wanted to do it as a career but it was something that i always saw as extra like everything that i got and or any opportunity that i had i always i always took it as an extra i was like oh my god that's amazing Mm -hmm. um but it was never something that you know, I, I got the taste of touring and I got the taste of being signed to record labels and management, and publishing and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of got to the point where the last couple of songs and the EPs that I put out, they were they were good and I'm proud of them and I'll always put my name to them. But I could probably admit now that I was kind of following a template because I knew that it worked.
1: That- Welcome to a special Christmas episode of Songwriter Trists an intimate podcast that's connecting like-minded people in the music industry from all over the world, sharing stories and wisdoms that one only learns from real-life experiences. We want to wish you all a happy, relaxing and safe holiday season and a happy new year. All right, welcome to A Songwriter Twist with Anthony Agostino from Cartel Management Australia. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. Thank you so much for having me on. This is so exciting.
1: Thanks for um, like I said, responding to my random email. I think I found you on LinkedIn and I was like, this seems interesting. Um, so let's start from the beginning, because you started off as an artist and you, you've obviously done a world of different things now. Um, let's start by you sharing in your own words. Who are you and where do you come from?
0: That is a that is a very, very big question. I am um, so in terms of um, so I'm Anthony. Hi. Um I um I started off in my musical journey as you said as an artist myself um uh, not a songwriter or anything like that but I started very much in the production space um and yeah I the way I kind of got into it was a little bit weird like I didn't grow up in a musical family at all my parents if you looked at them they if you showed them an instrument they probably wouldn't be able to name it mm-hmm. um and you know throughout school and stuff like that I I, I didn't overly have a lot of interest in really anything at all. Um, And and music was definitely on that list. And, you know, I'm not really quite sure what happened. I, I started to develop an interest in music kind of late in my high school years. And, and you know, prior to that, my mum, my mum had, you know, bless her cotton socks. She tried to take me to piano lessons, which I cried at when I was like five years old. And um, later, then tried to take me to guitar lessons because I, I want, you know, I wanted to be in a band or whatever, and I cried during that. And then she kind of stopped with all that stuff. And then, but later in my my teenage years, um, obviously with the growth and development of iTunes and the accessibility to music, um, Garage Band, yeah, Garage yes. Band and all that kind of
1: stuff.
0: <laughs> But even just like not, not, not even, not even making or, or, or having anything to do with music, but just listening to music was something that, um, you know, I started to get a lot more into. And then, you know, going, you know, turning 16, 17 and 18, you begin to go out and, 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 you know, ingest the more electronic side of music and, and stuff like that when you're going out of parties and stuff. And I kind of got hooked to the, um, i guess the the electronic style of music going out for the first time and seeing djs play and perform and stuff like that and i was like i, yeah. could, I could do this this is easy like I could, <laughs> I could do that so um you know i started off in the performance side first mm-hmm. um just doing my like birthdays and stuff like that and then um you know that quickly pr- progressed into production and countless youtube tutorials on musical theory and uh-huh. <laughs> uh you know i trying to understand daw's and and you know FL Studio into Ableton, into Logic Pro X. And mm-hmm. um, that kind of developed into, into my artist project, which I was lucky enough to... Yeah, and 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 as you know, being a songwriter, it's it's kind of an ever-growing pool of knowledge. Like, you've got to want to learn more to get better. Mm-hmm. And for me, music, it, it was always something... I always wanted to do it as a career, but it was something that I always saw as extra. Like, everything that I got and or any opportunity that I had, I always... I always took it as an extra. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but it was never something that, you know, I, I got the taste of touring and I got the taste of being signed to record labels and management and publishing and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of got to the point where the last couple of songs and the EPs that I put out, they were, they were good and I'm proud of them and I'll always put my name to them. But I could probably admit now that I was kind of following a template because I knew that it worked, if that makes sense. And, and that's kind of... And that's kind of counterproductive to any form of creativity. So I kind of took a step back from that, and and um, you know the whole the whole cartel thing started to blossom from there. And and um, you know the way that Christina and I met, Christina's my business partner. Um, she actually met managing me. Um, oh I really? Signed to a yeah. So wow. um, I signed to a record label based in Melbourne. It's an independent label, but it kind of worked like a major. So yeah. um, it had like an umbrella kind of company and then a bunch of sub labels and events and stuff underneath. And I signed to that label. Um, and Christina at the time was the head of communications for all of the sub labels. And she was also moving into the artist development space and she started managing me. And she was kind of my only real um, positive management experience. I had some really, really bad management and label experience up until that point, and, and we did some really good things together and, and, and kind of unknowingly started to develop the processes and the philosophies of what Cartel is now with me as the guinea pig. And then, um, as I said, I kind of went through that transition of kind of wanting to take a step back and whatnot. And yeah, Cartel just kind of happened really. It was, um, you know, we went to dinner one night and and got talking about the, um, about like the themes and the trends in the music industry. And one of the things that we, we, we kind of noted, and, and you're, you're probably similar that there's such a massive gap of knowledge in the industry between, artists who are independent and artists yeah. who are assigned to the big conglomerates like Sony or Warner or Universal or whoever it is. And the yeah. difference is, is that the guys that are assigned to those majors, they have access to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, they have people that handle their distribution, people that handle their royalties, and costs, PPCA, you know, distribution, royalties, sync, licensing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as an independent artist, a lot of the time, you know, you've not only got to create music that you're proud of, that you love, um, you've also got to become a marketing genius, a PR genius, and then go and understand all of the business side of things and stuff. And we've seen a lot of good artists over the period stop because, you know, they they, they can't wrap their head around the other side of things. And, and you know, I don't like that. I I think that um, there, there, there was no real resource out there for artists to kind of go to and just say, if you want to grow in the industry, this is the kind of way to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of in a nutshell what Cartel is and, and what we've been doing since kind of 2015. And, and yeah, does that answer your question? Because I love that. Not- no, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: like, I'm, I'm like, I'm just going to let him talk because it's, <laughs> it's all gold. Um, And I I, lo- I loved hearing how you like oh, were just out for dinner one night and it kind of just naturally evolved. And I think that's where some of the best things in my life have happened. It's just happened. It hasn't felt hard. It's just been like a this makes sense. It feels good. Let's do it. Um. Mm. And obviously things don't always happen that way but, I mean, that's kind of how this podcast started, you know. It's like, oh, it's fun and it feels good and people seem interested um, and we've just been doing it for over two years and I still feel like it just started but it's because I'm having fun, you know. Um so I love that. I'm actually, I was thinking when you were talking that like your mum's sit there going, oh, I should have got him a t- little turntables or something instead of yeah. your time. You know? <laughs> like-
0: no, she, um, she actually <laughs> said it to me the other day. Um, I I just got back off a tour that we were working on um, and doing some PR for and and they picked me up from the airport and I went to their house to have something to eat. And she's like, she fully sat me down and was like, you know, I never thought that this was would be what you were doing with your life. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, that's, that's a really weird thing to say to me. And she's like, oh no, she's just like, you know, with the piano lessons and the, you know, the, 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 you know, trying to push you into different things. And, and the big thing was, I was like, mum, you, you could have like honestly given me a million dollars and I probably wouldn't have taken it. Like, I need, I'm one of those type of people that I just need to do it on my own. Like, it's experience based. Mm. You know, I, I could never have gone to school for music because I, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. You know, I went to, you know, in a previous life, when uh, you know, from year twelve into the first year of uni, I did, um, I did uh, a bachelor of arts, but I was going to move into a teaching, and I went to my first psychology um, lecture, and I walked out. I was like, "This is not for me." Wow. Um, kind of all in with the music thing after that. Obviously, having part-time jobs and stuff like that as well, and it just kind of grew from there. So, uh, yeah, for me, like, passion's just a really big thing. Yeah. Um, our whole motto at Cartel is can't teach passion. And it's all about like, you know, you can be as talented as anything, but without that kind of, you know, adding infrastructure and adding process and, you know, being creative in all areas, not just the creative side of things is is what's conducive to growth. And, and that's what kind of resonated with me really early. So when yeah. mum sat me down and said that, it was kind of like, it was it was a bit more of a full circle moment. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you were never going to tell me what I was doing. I was always going to work it out on the way. So
1: I love that um, though, like learning and knowing knowing that you knew what you wanted and what you liked, like going into a psychology lecture and just going, yeah, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. Like that goes against everything that I was raised. It's like, you know, if you start something, you finish it like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, same. I literally, you know, yeah. It, it, but I think knowing when to fold and like mm. knowing to trust yourself, that's mm. taken me a lot longer to learn and to, the fact that you've had that. From such a young age, like just you know, this yeah. is it. You know?
0: It's definitely it's it's definitely not easy, and I definitely had like I I didn't tell my parents that I quit uni until about six months after. <laughs> um, I'm not, like, there's That's no, there's no, real, yeah, there's no, there's no, um, and and you know, like I'm, you know, I was the first one of my family to even go to university, so it was like a big thing within my family. I'm come from a European background, and um everyone was like, kind of, you know. And he's going to be a teacher. He's so good with kids and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm at this family barbecue, going like, oh, I got a gig in a couple of hours. I'm going to go. <laughs> you know what's the? Um, but yeah, no, they're proud now, and 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 I think you know, you've only got one life, right? So you've got to do what, you know, what you want to do. And and I sit here now, you know, running a business that or operating within a business that I absolutely love, and and um, you know, I get to get up every day and work with. A partner who shares the same passions as I do, and 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 we love it. So it's good. It all worked out for the best in the end. I don't know what's yeah, next. I love it.
1: You know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's part of the joy of being in this industry, though, is that you never really know what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, like and, and that I mean that can be really scary sometimes if we're feeling pressure, especially in society. Like at the moment, you know, rate rises and there's so much uncertainty. Um Absolutely. But the reality is, I think that that's actually more real. Even if you have a nine to five job these days, nothing's really that secure. And it's probably a sobering truth that no one really wants to hear. (laughs) But as an artist, you have to face that every day.
0: Absolutely. And the big thing with artists, a lot of, you know, particularly a lot of the ones that we deal with on a day to day, you know, they are the guys that are working the nine to five and they are the guys that are spending their, you know, doing their artist thing from, you know, five to nine. So it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 you know a lot of what we speak to artists is about developing balance it's like you know hey music's not going to pay the bills right now and and money is always the last thing that's going to come so yeah. there needs to be some form of balance between real life and music life to be able to create that sustainability to be able to grow into a further state like a, you know even for me like i worked i worked as a swimming teacher up until you know you know my third or fourth year into cartel you know, before I went full-time. And throughout the whole time that I was DJing, I took maybe two years off the pool, you know, to yeah. to do it full-time and then ended up going back when I decided that it wasn't for me. So, um, you know, balance is such a big thing and it doesn't get spoken about a lot. Like, mm. you know, I think a lot of artists kind of go in and go, okay, I'm going to do this for a job. This is going to be what I do. You know, I'm going to write music. I'm going to – but there's no kind of practical kind of – um infrastructure behind that and yeah. I think you know and labels and you know managers and booking agents and all those kind of that they, they don't help with that stuff you know um so it's it's always difficult it's always difficult but that's part of the fun right like yeah, that's part of is. The, that stuff
1: it's the challenge but that's I yeah. mean if you're like me the challenge is the fun part um <laughs> I love the pain uh yeah. <laughs>
0: just
1: like to torture ourselves, don't we? Yeah, yeah I think we're probably just all s at the end of it. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I could talk to you so much about like your family dynamic and that whole like moving on from the family and doing something completely different because I think that a lot of artists, not everyone comes from a creative family and I think that's like we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, but I also really want, I just want to hear more about like that passion that you have for artists that you're supporting. How, like talk, talk to me about the type of artists that you guys usually end up talking to and what do you find is the first thing that you're looking for in in artists if they're trying to, you know, help get infrastructure?
0: Yeah, so we work with, so we work across three different sectors. So we've got a management sector, a creative sector and a corporate sector. And the corporate sector is kind of not relevant to to this conversation. It's more like event PR and stuff like that. And then um, we've got a management roster of at the moment, we've got two artists that we're handling. Was formerly three and now two, um, and they're kind of your day to day. they are long term kind of investments in in the fact that you know we've been working with them for a really long time. Management, you know, our philosophy around management was very much around, you know, you've got to have a pre existing working relationship. You've got to have the resources to be able to get the artists where they want to go and you've got to believe in where they want to go because 15% of 0.03 cents a stream is not a very good business plan as a manager. So our our thing was very much like, we're never going to make a financial decision about management. It's got to be vision-based and it's got to be relationship-based. You know, we 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 speak about our management clients as like they're our children kind of thing. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those types of relationships. So with them, it's, you know, in terms of signing you know getting them and signing them it was very it's it was very much like you know the prerequisites were like you know let's have a pre-existing working relationship in in the fact that we either do do pr for them or we um work with them in some sort of developmental state first um and actually understand what their goals are and understand who they are as people and actually like them to, to want to develop mm. into them it's, it's a, that's, that's important very, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely and as i said like i had managers you know, in my experience, like there are two different types of managers that are, that, are, that are really detrimental to artists. And it's, and then in the middle is right where you want to be. It's like over on the left, you've got the guys who are locally sourced, who are guys that may really care about the project, really want the project to do well, or they're are friends of the artists or whatever it may be. And in reality, they have no idea how the music industry actually operates. And that inhibits the project. Yeah. Right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got guys that, again, the bigger conglomerates, the bigger agencies. And this happened to me as an artist, you know, where they approach you and they're like, hey, we want to sign you. This is what we can do. This is our roster, blah, 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 blah. And then the expectation of the artist starts to take over. For me, it was like, oh, my God, if I sign this contract, you know, in six months, I'm going to be in a visa. I'm going to be on a private jet with Calvin Harris, models <laughs> everywhere, like, all this stuff. And that's legitimately what I thought. And then you wake up in six months' time to realize that you've been shelved because you're not making a certain amount of money. And so for us, it was very much like we don't want to be either of those two things. We just want to be in the middle, and we want to be really realistic with the artists, but we also want to value communication. You know, a lot of what artists want from a manager is just to be just to be heard, and just to be just to ensure that's that what
1: everyone wants. Let's be real. That's
0: what everybody wants. That's what I want as a human. You know, yeah. so. Um, just ensuring that you have that relationship with an artist and that it's malleable in that way. And then so our creative sector is where we work with the bulk of artists and, that, and, and labels and, and different music businesses and stuff like that. And we work with a range of different artists from guys that have just started um, to guys that, you know, are, are a little bit more developed. And each time is a little bit different. Like we have guys that are seeking us out. We also seek out other artists. And I think in terms of, to answer your question, what we're looking for, It's stuff that we like, you know, I want to work with artists that, you know, I personally like their music and, 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 you know, we do these things where, um, and it's something that happened during COVID. We have like monthly listening sessions, you know, one of the things that we found at the start of COVID, obviously everyone had to adapt and change and stuff like that. One of the things that we spoke about really heavily during that time was like, we're in the music industry and we listen to about 0.01% of the music that we should be listening to, you know, and that's okay. for multiple reasons, whether that's because there's so much music coming in that we're daunted by it and we're going back to what we already know or what we've heard before, um, or that we're getting hit up by so many artists, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. And it was just like, you know what, let's take one day out of the month when we've got the time. And it's something that we've kind of strived to do post COVID that we found quite difficult, but that we're trying to stick to is just, Let's take one Friday out of the month where we don't do anything else at all. We just get our KRK Rocket Eight monitors out. We get a couple of bottles of wine, and we just listen to music all day, just for the love of it. Yeah. And out of that, if we find artists that we really enjoy or we really like, let's hit them up. You know, let's send them a message. Let's and 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 and, and to be very clear, not to work with them or not to you know send them our service package or to plug ourselves or anything like that, but just to say, hey, you know, we absolutely love what you're doing. I think what you're doing is great. You know, and then that's that's really it. No real expectation off the back of that. And I feel like if that's something that I had as an artist, or, or that I I received as an artist, it would have give, given me a bit more of a kick up the bum to go. Maybe something's. Maybe I'm doing something right here, or you know, wow, there is someone that's you know within the industry that is actually you know listening because that there's such a massive breakdown between communication between in, actual real industry and and an independent artists that
1: you know it's feedback isn't it. And it's there, feedback. There is not really a no feedback in this industry. No,
0: no. Yeah. So those 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 kind of listening sessions are the ways that we kind of, it's kind of our little way to, to not give back because that sounds a bit like we're running a charity, but, like, it's just our way to make sure that we're across what's happening in the Australian, you know, music scene and mm. different trends, different kind of creative ideas. I know for me, for myself, it's one of those things that, it allows me to kind of flex those creative muscles that I don't generally get to flex anymore because I'm not writing music now. Um, You know, so I get to dive a little bit deeper into the instrumentation or into the, you know, into the songwriting or not that I know anything about that, but, you know, understand what artists are vocalising about or, or, you know, different trends, who's collaborating with who and stuff like that. And It's just a really good kind of format for us to stay on the front foot with a lot of artists for sure.
1: With, with the songs that you listen to, and obviously you listen to a, a wide range of music, mm. is it, like, have you noticed a, a pattern or is there something common that you particularly like and you, you notice that, hey, I always go for, like, the upbeat, tragic songs or, you know, is there something that is a common theme?
0: Um Obviously I have my, like, my genre preferences that I like. Um, within the listening sessions, though, I try to actively – listen to everything with an open mind because they're obviously, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not the biggest, you know, hardcore metal fan, you know? So yeah. when listening to that, you know, it's not something that I personally find enjoyable, but it's something that I, I want to understand. I want to break it down. I want to understand how it was created. I want to understand the thoughts behind the artists. And that's kind of more so why we do it. It's, it's more so about diving. Paper. There are definitely trends in terms of, um, what you're coming across, are, you know, what we're coming, like, you know, it's so funny for me, being an artist is about being individual mm-hmm. and, and the ones that that really stand out to me and they don't have to be, um, they don't have to be overly good in, in terms of quality because that will always develop. Yeah. But it needs to stand on its own two feet in terms of being it, outwardly creative rather than just following a trend that everybody else is doing. Cause it's cool mm. kind of thing. And that's a mistake that I made as an artist. And, and I didn't really start to kick on in, in my artist project until I started doing things that I wanted to do rather than things that, you know, mm. so a lot of the trends mm. of what I'm seeing at the moment is that there's a lot of artists that are just following a trend because they're like, okay, this is going to work. Yeah. And, and it's one thing that we've spoken to a lot of artists about is like, Hey, just, just do what you want to do. Not to, yeah. like there's an audience out there for you and, you know, all of that stuff will come later, but the creativity comes first.
1: Yeah. Um, I love that. That's yeah. brilliant advice because so many times I'm a bit of, I'm still developing my quality and, and proje- producing. Like I've worked with so many different producers and it concerned me when I've gone into a studio and the producer's first question is, well, who do you like? And they're like, oh, yeah. I like John Mayer. It's like, right, here's his song, here's John a John Mayer beat. And like they yeah. literally... Duplicate that bass sound of that other artist, yeah. and it's like, and, and but then also getting all these press releases and listening to these new songs. I'm like, I know that producer. Yep, you've worked with him, and you probably told absolutely. him you liked this song.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and they
1: sound exactly the same. And it's like that's not and it's,
0: That's right, and it's like it's it's not a pet peeve. It's just I'm not sure whether it's artist insecurity or whether it's you know
1: absolutely Has because to be.
0: you're not, and, and you're also not, you know you're not an expert in every area. So for a lot of the creative process, you're outsourcing, you know, whether that be mixing and mastering, whether that be production, you know, whether that be certain instrumentation or whatever it is. And there's always got to be that give and take of, you know, of, of what you want as the artist, but the artist always needs to be in control of that vision, yeah. knowing what they want. But what's beautiful is, is that you're growing a catalog. You know, the the, the big thing that we're talking about with artists right now, and the big thing that I've seen over 2022 is the focus for artists at the moment is on the next thing. It's on the next single, the next album, the next DP, and that's it. It's like, no, it's like, this is the drop in the ocean at the moment. When you're 90 years old and hopefully, you know, played Wembley Stadium and you made money and you made sustainable, oh, what, you know, whatever you want to get out of the project, you've gotten out of the project. But when you look back at the project when you're 90, Let's all hope that we get to 90 years old. (laughs) Uh, You're not looking back at that one drop in the ocean. You're looking back at an entire catalogue, an an entire discography of music that built you to that point, Mm. you know, creatively, but also in development-wise. So, you know, that creativity will always develop and always grow and the skills will always grow alongside that. Like whatever you write tomorrow is going to be better than what you write today you know, over a sustained period of time. So, you know, I'm dealing with it right now. I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I'll say it anyway. But we're, we're having an issue with our management client at the moment, one of our management clients, where, you know, they're very much going, all right, I'm, I'm stepping into this new phase. I want to delete my entire catalog and I want to start again. And then, And our big thing is going, okay, well, we can do that, you know, but we've developed to this point it doesn't make sense to delete that catalog because then you're starting again, you know, and and it's a whole pro and con thing. It's like, yes, what you're writing now is better. And absolutely that's correct. But you've got to, you've built a a loyal fan base off the back of the catalog that you have now. And when you look back later, you want to be able to see that growth. You know, when I think of someone like, when I think of an act like when I think of any of the biggest acts in the world, like for example, I've got a, a, a photo of Daft Punk in my office.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when I think of Daft Punk as as, as an art, as as I guess a duo and artist, I don't think of one song. I think of their album Homework. I think of Alive. I think of their 2007 Coachella set. I think of you know Get Lucky. I think of the way that they've consistently mm-hmm. um, reinvigorated electronic music. Right. I yeah. don't think about just Get Lucky on its own or just Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm
0: thinking about catalog it. stuff. So I think. You know, the mindset of a lot of artists right now is very much on this next single is going to be the one. And then they leave that single and they're very um, deflated because Mm -hmm. they're focused on the merit of the actual music itself rather than the merit of the process of getting that to an audience that would be likely to care. And I think, you know, focusing on the processes are more important because that's measurable and it's tangible and it's stuff that you can change later on. You know, rather than saying my song's good, um, I yeah, want to get it to an audience. Yeah, I think the um, way I,
1: yeah, it, no, seriously, it's the, the way I I feel I've dealt with that because that is a thing that everyone goes through. Like everyone thinks absolutely. their first EP is going to be, you know, amazing. Um, yeah, but it is. It's every time you release something, it's a chance for someone to get to know you and then decide absolutely. whether they like you or not. And absolutely. And just each time you release, it's, you know, you're going to reach a few more people and it just grows right. and people just either get to know you and they like what you do or they don't. And, and what you do will change and they may come back to you. And what it's, but it's like building rapport and trust. And that doesn't That's happen right. straight away.
0: No, the, 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 you know, when, when you're releasing music, everything for me is about process, mm-hmm. right? So, you, you, for example, have your creative process, right? You understand what it takes to make a song that you love, that you're proud of. And at the end of the day, the only person that you really need to impress with your music is yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, an artist isn't going to put out a sub, what they something that they think is subpar, right? So that mindset needs to be related when they're actually putting the song out. It's like, okay, let's not rely on the merit of the music because in my heart and in my soul, I know this song is good.
1: Mm.
0: Because I've made it and means something to me. The process then becomes about okay, let's do everything that we can to actually get this to an audience that's likely to care. Mm.
1: Okay?
0: And and let's na- navigate platforms, let's navigate performances in that way. And the market will decide whether they like it or not. You know, yeah. It's not it's not up to you what, what is in control is what you are in control of is the processes with which you actually do that. Love and so it. Um,
1: advice.
0: yeah, uh, it's just, I, I think, and, and I think everybody needs to go through that feeling. Like i have come around on the fact that I think it's everyone needs to go. This is going to be the best thing ever. And right then, yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Kind of have a bit of that yeah. crash because then it builds into, okay, how do I not feel like that again? Because I know again, yeah. same, same thing with me. Like I was that artist. Every second song that I wrote was the one it was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, you do the car test and you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to put this out again, six months time, but these are, you know, model yeah. champagne, <laughs> millions of dollars. And then you put it out and it, do- it may, you know, realistically do good things in terms of, you may develop a small fan base or you may do whatever it is or, or, um, but in reality, you know, you see that as a, or like I saw it as a flop when in yeah. reality, it did really good things for me. So I think, you know, Absolutely. the mindset needs to shift a little bit into, you know, moving from um, single to single into single number one, builds up single number two, builds up single number three, and so on and so forth. So um, that's really yeah. good
1: advice. And you've worked with some incredible people. I mean, I found you because you were promoting um, Jason Gerulo's latest single. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have like a goal or a dream collaboration or? Is it Daft Punk? Like
0: <laughs> in terms of writing music with, um I'm not nowhere near good enough to write a Daft <laughs> Punk, but, um yeah, that that'd definitely be a dream. I, I think I'd like to work with some um yeah, Daft Punk would be one. I, I I um I don't I don't I don't really know. In terms of the work that I do now, I, I anybody that I work with, like the fact that we're working with Jason DeRullo is just psychotic like who would have thought yeah yeah. (laughs) so cool um and even the tours that we're working on like um we just got off the festival x tour which finished just the other day in perth and you know to be on site with cal like the calvin harris was like you know me and my business partner like nudging each other you know (laughs) um you know watching him walk to stage and stuff like that and it's like what is this life it's not even real but um in terms of writing music um yeah, just anybody. Um, but in terms of uh, just anybody with anything, really. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really open to work. I, I, I love, I more so love the process than who I'm working with. If that makes sense. Um, yeah.
1: It it does help if you like the person. Sometimes I've done working with people, and all I've learned from them is that I don't want to work with them again. But yeah. that's still a lesson.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's okay. c- there's yeah. certainly those experiences. But uh, yeah. you know, I think in my kind of old age, I'm getting to the point now where it's like that's not necessarily a bad thing either because you you understand the workflows that you don't enjoy. Mm. Um, You know, like uh, when I was doing my, my artist project, um, you know, for for the main bulk of my releasing, I was part of a duo. And the guy that I was in a duo with was, we were best, best friends. And, you know, I had my ideas for what the project should be and he had his ideas for what the project should be. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: mine was very much about development very much about, you know, I want to develop within the industry, I want to make this career. And he was like, dude, I just want to make music. Mm. You know, and that was to- and and that used to make me burn inside. But yeah. it wasn't until I stepped out of that where I was like, well, that's totally fine. Because yeah. he's he's um, you know, developing a pa- like, you know, he's he's still working on his passion. It doesn't matter about anything else. Yeah. And so we ended up going our separate ways and we're still the best, you know, the closest of friends. But Good. You know, there's not that pressure now of you know try, me putting pressure on him or him putting pressure on me or anything like that. Um, but it, it took me a really long time to work that out, and 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 our workflows always clashed because of that. Yeah, um, and that's why that that's a really big thing with bands, I think, and 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 you know duos and stuff that we see is like you know, everyone's got to kind of be on the same page, and that's not easy.
1: No, this is why I'm a solo. Um- <laughs> I've done the band thing before and um, unfortunately, you know, yeah, you, you, you can only have conflict if you have a common goal. You heard that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so y- you've got to not only have the common goal, but also be able to focus on that and not get personal. Um, uh- I- if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, dead or alive, whether it's making music or even like may- maybe managing or promoting or whatever, anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Why?
0: Uh, I'll probably go like um, I'll probably go Elvis. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: Yeah. I just um, I just think firstly he didn't have the greatest of management. Um, (laughs) No.
1: Like, done a good job. (laughs) The movies Um, made that really clear.
0: Yeah, the movies made that really clear. (laughs) Um, We actually walked out of that movie and I was like, man, this has just made all managers look bad. Like, Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I, I just think he was so revolutionary. So just to be a part of that, you know, just to have a twinkle on that would be epic. You know, same with the Beatles or John Lennon or, you know. Um,
1: it was a different world, industry-wise. was different world. Was a different oh, absolutely.
0: World. You know, even the way music got distributed in terms of physical copies and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, how artists created sustainability. You know, Elton John's another one. Like we, um, I saw Elton John. I never, I didn't really like Elton John until I saw. I went to, I scored a ticket to a Day on the Green and yeah. saw Elton live, and wow. he played funny Dan. No, Rocket Man as it was starting to rain, and I was like, oh, this were- guy is an actual, real, icon, you know. And so, um, yeah, artists like that. I think Elvis, Elton John, and the Beatles. I'd love to, love to kind of, love to have kind of worked with in some form. I um, love that. It's sure definitely not musically, but in some <laughs> form, developed, it would have been great.
1: No problem. Yeah. Um, we're kind of running out of time. So, thank you yeah. so much for um, jumping on and sharing. I feel like we could talk for like another three hours. We need to do we like could. a part two episode. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe we will. Um, yeah. But before we finish up, I'm going to put a blog on the website. It's going to have all of your contact details, socials, and websites so people can come and find you and contact you if they need anything. But is there anything else you would like to say? You've got a few minutes podcast um
0: no i would just if if people do happen to come across me on the blog or on, on linkedin linkedin seems to be a thing now where i'm getting hit up a fair bit um <laughs> I, I need to uh i need to take my own advice i'm like to all oh, artists you need to get on social media and all this kind of stuff and i don't really go on linkedin that much i post a lot on it but i don't really like engage or anything mm. um
1: i honestly don't go in there much either i don't know why i, I randomly saw your post yeah like, that's cool
0: just, yeah no thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I just love to say that, um, you know, if anyone does come across us or, or what we do or, um, you know, and, and has the inkling of hitting us up, please do that. I, you know, I'm always around. Whether that means working together or whether that just means having a conversation, you know, I love talking to people. As you can imagine, I, I talk a lot of crap. Um but, it's all being um, gold today. <laughs> yeah, but um, I I just love to talk to musicians about their projects and what they're thinking of and, and diving into the mind of that. So if anyone wants to reach out and anybody wants to talk, I'm I'm always around. I'm always here. So yeah, that's that's really it. I got that's nothing it. to promote. Yeah, nothing for to own. promote. Nothing to,
1: yeah. Well, you might get a few emails now. Um, <laughs> probably <laughs> just from me. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. no, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, okay. I, I really do value. That, you know, we, we all have limited amount of time and the fact that you've taken some time out to give back in a sense but share some of your wisdom and experience and knowledge. That is the stuff that, like, that's how the industry is made. It comes from experience and if we can learn from each other and lift each other up, I think that's only wow. going to help everyone grow bigger and better
0: absolutely absolutely and again thank you so much for this opportunity i i really enjoyed it yeah we definitely definitely need to hook up a part two i think it's um
1: yeah (laughs) i
0: know i know
1: i think i think this will be like a, a christmas present to everyone and then they get to like unwrap the second part of their christmas present next time yeah No, that'll be good. All right, we'll think about some things that you'd like to share for the next one. And um, yeah, I was literally just in Melbourne, so uh, next time I'm down, we'll have a coffee or something. It was funny.
0: I I, you came down, and I went. I was in the Gold Coast when you came down to Melbourne on the tour. So yeah, no, you messaged me about this, and I was you're like, I was coming to Melbourne. I'm like, I'm literally at the airport. Yeah. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Well, maybe we we crossed over. We'll cross over at the same time at some point. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet
0: we'll, yeah, we'll make. I'm sure we
1: time. will. We, it's it's going to be inevitable. All right. Thank you so much. I'll let you know when the podcast is ready to come out. But um, you're amazing. I'm so glad we've connected. And, um, yeah, stay in touch.
0: Perfect. No worries. Cool. See ya.
1: Thanks for joining our songwriter Tris today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guests, please go to the website songwritertrists.com Crowd, no one can hear me, wish I could